and verse 3. We're just so blessed to have such wonderful, anointed and talented musicians and singers. And we just appreciate their, their, their wonderful talent and willingness to use that for the Lord. And so the Lord's really blessed us. So we're so, so grateful. Psalms 11, verse 3 The Bible says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Today being the 4th of July, of course Independence Day, the day in which we celebrate our independence as a nation from Great Britain. It's our nation's birthday. You might ask, why open with Psalms 11 talking about foundations? Because a foundation is that by which something either stands or falls. If the foundation is destroyed, then that which stands upon it will be destroyed as well. It is important to know what our nation was founded upon so that we can see if the foundation is being destroyed. I'm going to read some quotes from our founding fathers to help us better understand just what America was founded upon. First of all, the the Mayflower Compact, which was the first governing document of the pilgrims. And here's one of the lines in there said this, having undertaken for the glory of God the advancement of the Christian faith. And then John Adams And John Hancock, remember John Hancock, he unashamedly signed the Declaration of Independence larger than anyone else. They both said this, John Adams and John Hancock. We recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. I'm glad they used that name, Jesus. A lot of people will talk about God, but to get them to mention Jesus is a whole other shooting match. There's just something about that name. And then Alexander Hamilton said this, said this about the Constitution. The Constitution, a system which without the finger of God never could have been suggested. James Madison who uh, conceived the three branches of government by inspiration from Isaiah 33:22 which says the Lord is our judge the judicial branch the Lord is our lawgiver the legislative branch and the Lord is our king the executive branch and then the Lord will save us but you see James Madison got the idea for the three branches of government from the Bible. George Washington said this, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. John Quincy Adams said this, the birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior. Patrick Henry, who said, Give me liberty or give me death, also said, This nation was founded 
not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thomas Jefferson said this, God, who gave us life, gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their basis? Listen to that. Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their basis or when we have removed their foundation? Can our liberties be secure if we have moved away from the foundation that this nation was originally founded upon? If the foundation be destroyed? Notice in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter and the 15th verse. Jeremiah, the 18th chapter and the 15th verse. The Bible says this, Because my people have forgotten me. They have, they have burned incense to worthless idols. Remember what idolatry is. It's when you put anything or anyone in front of God in your life. They have, they have burned incense to worthless idols and they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways. Notice, from what? From the ancient paths. Or we could say the ancient foundations. See, when you move away from the foundation, when the foundation is destroyed, when the foundation crumbles, when it's moved away from, then there's stumbling and crumbling and destruction. A foundation is that on which something stands. If the foundation is destroyed, then that which stands upon it will be destroyed as well. And notice, and they have caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, or from the ancient foundations, from the ancient paths. Notice, to walk in pathways and not on a highway. As you study this out, this is talking about Bypass or paths that are built by men and look right but are not built by God. You know, there's a lot of things that, that look right and seem right, but they're not right. And you don't want to go down those paths because you'll stumble if you do. You see, you don't want to leave the ancient paths. You don't want to leave the ancient paths of the Word of God for some new thing or Something that looks all sparkly. I learned a long time ago, all that glitters is not gold. And they've caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths. From those ways of God, if you will. To walk in the pathways or to go down things that look good or things that are built by men but God's not endorsing it. To go down those ways and stumble instead of going on the highway. And that highway means a road which is established and built by God. Notice verse 16. You get away from the foundations to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. 
talking about a people who once knew God, who once walked with God, whose once their foundation was on the Word of God and the things of God, but they got away from it. And they went down other paths. They left those ancient paths. They left those ancient foundations to go down something that looks cool and groovy and neat and all of that. But it's not what God was endorsing. And then they stumble and then calamity comes. And the Bible says that in that day God turns his back. You know, America was founded as we read to you just a moment ago and shared with you those quotes of the founding fathers. America was founded on the godly principles of the Bible and grew to be great. Proverbs 14 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. America was founded upon the words of Jesus Christ and has been exalted by God and has successfully weathered many storms and has stood strong as a result of that foundation upon the word of God. But Proverbs 14 also says sin is a reproach to any people. When the foundations of the word of God is departed from, then that which stood upon it will eventually crumble and fall, and great will be its fall. Jesus said, a a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You know, thank God for this system of checks and balances. That's good and that's godly, but division is not of God. And when a house is divided against itself, it cannot ultimately stand. In the last many years, America as a whole has left the foundation of the Word of God. God was kicked out of the public school system. And when God left, light left. For God is light. And that's why you have so much darkness in the public school system. I know. I was there. I not only came through it as a student, but I taught in it for many years as a mathematics teacher. And thank God for the few, and I do mean few, good uh, Christian administrators and teachers and counselors, but they're few and far between. You see, God was kicked out of the public school system many years ago. He's a gentleman and he left. Perverseness on television. It's, It's... unbelievable to me that you can be sitting there watching a G-rated movie, if you will, on television and in the commercial comes, the commercials come on and they're lewd and, and many times sexu- sexually, uh, it's embarrassing. It's a disgrace. I'm ashamed of it. Drunkenness, drug addiction, disobedient to parents, Gambling, pornography, which runs rampant in this nation. Sexual promiscuity. Homosexual and open and proud of it. You must realize that, that homosexuality is not an alternative lifestyle. It, it's sin. Plain and simple. Just like adultery is sin and fornication is sin. God loves those who commit sexual sin. But those who commit sexual sin need to repent. Homosexuals need to repent and place their faith in Jesus, miss hell and make heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. 
We should not uh, put anyone down and we should not harass anyone. We should not uh, uh, abuse anyone and make fun of anyone. Say amen. amen. But we must love people enough to tell them the truth of the matter even if they get mad at us. I would that, that, I would that homosexuals came to this church by the droves so that I could love them and tell them the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and love them and get them to the point where they repent and come to Christ. Amen. But so that we don't just pick on them, you know, there's sexual sin in this nation. It's un unbelievable. Fornication is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Sexual sin is wrong. But what I'm trying to get at here is, 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 and you see this, we'll say this again as we go, but it's a mark of a decline of a society when homosexuality is accepted. Murder, politicians have passed ungodly laws and regulations at every turn. The Supreme Court allowing unborn babies to be slaughtered quote-unquote, legally, approximately 25 million little babies have been slaughtered in the womb since 1973 and counting. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a Supreme Court judge nominee that had enough guts to sit there and say abortion is murder? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a president that would put somebody on the court that was against sin? Now, if you're here today and you've had an abortion, God loves you, that baby's in heaven. Don't do that again. I'm ashamed to live in a nation that permits baby killing. Now, I love the United States, but that's, that's a shame. America as a whole has all but forgotten God. Psalms 9 says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. It's interesting to compare America with other nations or kingdoms or whatnot that eventually fell. You compare America with Sodom. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah of the Bible. It's interesting, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah there was homosexuality running rampant. We've said some things about that. But there was other things that went on in Sodom. There was arrogance and haughtiness. They were overfed and unconcerned, apathy. And eventually God, remember he removed Lot from Sodom. That was Abraham's nephew. And then he judged the place, didn't he? Didn't he? It's also, and, and Sodom fell, it's also interesting to compare America with the Roman Empire, which also eventually fell. Listen to this. Rome began as a republic and so did we. Both Rome and America became a nation among nations. Then both became empires. Both then became the most powerful nation on earth. Both occupied the Middle East. Both... Roman and American currencies became universal around the world. Both became the leading voices in the world to whom everyone looked. 
to make decisions. Both built sports stadiums and enjoyed the brutality of sport. It is said of Rome that Rome's happiness hung on a race. And we too here in this nation have brutality of sport and so many Americans' happiness hang on who won the ball game or the golf tournament or whatever it may be. Again, nothing wrong with enjoying sports, but your happiness shouldn't hang on. I mean, your true happiness and joy shouldn't hang on which team won. Sure, you might be down if your team lost. I mean, I'm not, this is not what it's talking about. But you're, I've already seen people where, where their team lost and they just, for a whole year, they were just down and out. Rome's happiness hung on a race. Both Rome and America become obsessed with luxuries and pleasure. It's interesting, the Roman Christians became just like the worldly Romans. Think about that. The Christians in Rome, you couldn't tell the difference between the Roman Christians and the sinners. And I'm standing here today sad to report that in so many circles, you can't tell the difference when you go in a lot of churches. Have you gone into a church or have you gone into a nightclub? You ought to know when you walk in the house of God. You ought to know when you come through those gates. You ought to, I mean, the presence of God, you should be moved and touched by the presence of God. You should be coming to worship God and for the word of God and the power of God, not for a light show. And so you couldn't tell the difference between the Roman Christians and the sinners. And so it's true here in this land in which we live. It's interesting. There was a day some... I remember I'm 46 years old as a kid. I remember you went out on Sunday morning. Everything was... It was, it was a Sabbath unto the Lord. How many remembers that? How remembers stores closed in honor of God? How many remembers that? And gas stations, they were closed in honor of God. And if you saw somebody driving in a car, they were going to church. And in this hour, Saturday and Sunday, you can't tell the difference anymore. Don't tell me we're not moving away from our foundations. You can see that we are and have. And you see, you have to understand how the devil operates. Little by little, little by little, little by little. How many of you, you've ever been driving down the road in your car and you turn the radio up and then you turn it up a little more and a little more and a little more and everything sounds great and then you stop at the quick trip, you go in to get a soda, you come back out, you turn the car on and the noise just about blasts you out the door. How come it wasn't bothering you a moment ago? You became slowly desensitized to it. And that's what's been happening in this nation over the last many years. A desensitization to sin. And as the Roman Empire grew, the Romans had excessive governmental control with lack of communication. And I'll just say this. 
Uh, this isn't in my notes, but you would think in this great nation we'd be able to get a handle better on that cleanup down there in the Gulf. This first I've said about that. Unbelievable. Doesn't matter if Republican or Democrat sits in the White House. We ought to do a better job. We can respond to, to nations halfway around the world. We ought to cut through a lot of that red tape and go in there and do what those people need done. As the Roman Empire grew, the Romans had excessive governmental control, lack of communication, excessive taxation. And there, there it is again. The Roman Empire allowed homosexuality and also allowed abortion. It's clear to me that America as a whole has left the foundation of the Word of God. I didn't say everybody, but as a whole. What troubles me even more is that it seems as though Many preachers and churches have done the same. I want to say that again. It's clear to me that America as a whole has left the foundation of the Word of God. What troubles me even more is that many preachers and churches have done the same. I didn't say all of them, but a whole lot of them. Alexesti Tocqueville. He was a French political historian who came to America to see why America was such a great nation many years ago. He came to see. And he best states the reason for America's greatness. And listen to what he said. I sought for America's greatness in her spacious harbors and ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her fertile fields and boundless forests. It was not there. I sought for America's greatness in her public school systems and institutions of higher learning, and it was not there. It was not until I went to the pulpits of America and found them aflame with the preaching of righteousness that I understood America's greatness. It's this holy desk that I stand behind. More powerful than the desk in the Oval Office. And I'm not just talking about this one. I'm talking about the pulpits of America. And he found the secret to America's greatness. It was when he went to the churches and he found them aflame with the preaching of righteousness. And as that has declined and has been moved away from and the preaching of righteousness has all but gone away because ministers want to tell people what they want to hear and et cetera and so on and so forth, you see the foundations have been moved away from and when the foundations are destroyed... It's interesting what the Bible says in 1 Timothy. Just listen to this. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times. How many of you know we're living in the latter times? This is the latter times. I, I, I'm convinced more than I have ever been convinced that we're living in what Jesus called the beginnings of sorrows. You, you, can't, you can't hardly go a week anymore and not find that there was some earthquake somewhere. He said that that would be one of the telltale signs. How many of you that 
follow the news. It's almost on a weekly basis now. Earthquake here, earthquake there, earthquake here, earthquake there. Is that right? In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. I used to think that that said some will depart from the church. It didn't necessarily say that. It said some would depart from the faith, which actually means the truth. You know, you can go to a church, but the truth not be there. Depart from the foundation of the truth. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. We're talking about moving away from the foundations. Notice this, 2 Timothy 4, 3 in the Amplified Bible. For the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they'll gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. And will turn aside from, see, leaving the foundations, turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions or stories. And then 2 Timothy 3 and 5, 2 Timothy 3 and 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but to denying its power, from such people turn away. You see, we see America as a whole leaving the foundations that it was built upon, but if you trace it down, you can see why it has been that way is because of the pulpits. Of America, leaving the teaching of the Word of God, more interested in being a man pleaser than a God pleaser, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such turn away. I still believe in the power of God. I still believe that Jesus saves. I still believe that Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost. I still believe that Jesus heals. Amen. Some time ago, my wife and I, actually she, she did it and then she showed it to me, some of the websites. And I, I don't stand here as a judge. Remember, I have a hat that doesn't have a J on it. It has an O on it. Does anybody know what that O stands for? Observer. I, 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 observer, just observe. But she looked up some of the websites of some large churches, ministries in the St. Louis area. And she said, come, you've got to see this. And I came into her office and we sat there and looked at some of this on their websites. And I won't call any names. I'm not going to do that. But some of the large, you know, ministries in, in, in St. Louis whose pastors and leaders enjoy. And it's right there. What, what movies do you watch? What books do you read? What music do you listen to? Many of the movies were R-rated movies where God's name is taken in vain and words and four-letter words and all kinds of words and, and leaders and, and pastors are 
putting that on the website, not even ashamed of it. This, I, I read this book. I listened to this music. I mean, dear friends, wake up, wake up. We oughtn't to be watching stuff that says GD. Huh? We ought to be watching that. Get up and walk out. Turn it off. Yeah, if you don't want to get out, walk up, turn, walk out, get up, walk out, turn it off. Maybe you need to check and see. Well, this is the Holy Ghost wants me to say. See if you're really saved. If you can sit there and listen to one GD after another, then you need to, and it don't bother you, I, I question whether or not you're saved. You can sit there and listen to four-letter words roll out and this, that, and the other profanity, and it don't bother you. You need to check up and see if you're saved. See, this kind of preaching here would get me thrown out of most churches in this city. When you... When we get dressed in the morning to go out, we ought to be sure that we're not dressing provocatively. I don't care if you're going to church or going to Walmart. I've said this for years. There's places we've, we've gone to at church services. You look on the platform in the worship team. Some of the ladies are dressed. They look like prostitutes. They don't look like worship leaders. My God help us. It's time we get back to the foundations. See, I, I guess I'm just not a cruel, cool, groovy dude, but I tell you what, I'd rather have the Word of God. I found that Jesus is cool and groovy. Amen? People have called me a dinosaur. They've told me I'm a thing of the past and this, that, and the other. But you know what? I, I, I'm just going to walk with God. The Bible talks in the book of Revelation about what some theologians argue is the last day church, the church in Laodicea. And Jesus said to that church, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. You know, it seems like the circles that I know anything about, and really if you trace that charismatic movement back from the late 60s, early to mid-70s on now, seems like they broke off into two main camps. One has gone after money, and the other camp has gone after a lukewarmness, not hot, not cold. When they're with the hot people, they'll say hot. When they're with the cold people, they'll say cold. They want to just straddle the fence. You, My God, you don't want a minister that straddles the fence. You want a minister that is hot and calls uh, uh, sin what it is. Amen? And a minister that will love people, you see. And that other branch, they broke out off and they're talking about money all the time. Money this, money that, money this, money that. Blessing, blessing, blessing. All the blessings on this nation. How can you kill all those millions of babies and say that God's blessing is on this nation? 
It's time that we wake up and take a look at some things. I don't know what kind of a message you came for this morning, but I'm just giving you what I feel the Spirit of God gave me to share with you. It's interesting, as you study those churches in the book of Revelation, the pastors, uh, Jesus was really meant, talking to those pastors concerning their churches. There are five of the seven. There were things going on he wanted straighten out. And, he, and the pastors were allowing things to go on in their church, you know. And, and Jesus wrote, uh, had John write and say, get this straightened out, get that straightened out. Have the pastor get that straightened out. You see, ministers allow this stuff to go on. If a congregation is cold, I'll guarantee it to you, the the pulpit is cold. If a congregation is lukewarm, I'll guarantee it to you, the pulpit is lukewarm. If a congregation is hot, I'll guarantee it to you, the pulpit is hot. My God, let's stay hot. Can you say amen? amen? And so I want you to remember the midnight ride of Paul Revere. How many remembers the midnight ride of Paul Revere? who heralded the British are coming, the British are coming, one lantern if by land and two if by sea. So I stand here on this 4th of July, 2010, as it is the midnight hour for this nation, I believe. I stand here as a modern-day Paul Revere. And I have two things to declare Just as he declared, one if by land, two if by sea, I have two things to declare to you. Two things are coming to this nation. Just as he went around, said the British are coming, the British are coming, the British are coming, one if by land, two if by sea, I have two things to tell you that are coming to this nation. Two things to tell you that are coming to this nation. First of all, the judgment of God is coming to this nation. Isaiah and Jeremiah speak, I believe, concerning, and most not, I would say many theologians believe that these passages in Isaiah and Jeremiah have to do with this nation. Whoa. And I'll give you the scriptures, it'll be on my blog this next week if you want the scriptures. Whoa. W O E, whoa. You don't want God saying woe to you. Woe, judgment, to the land shadowing with wings. Eagle. The national bird. Woe to a land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. With Israel as a focal point, only America can fit this description. Woe to this nation widely spread out to a people awesome from their beginning even to the present. A nation meted out or measured whose land the river divides. And you have the Mississippi dividing this almost in half. To a mingled people or a melting pot of people crazy about its idols. This nation has become a nation of idolatry. A nation that was once founded on the Word of God and the things of God, and now uh, uh, American Idol is more important to people than the house of God. I'm talking Christians now would rather stay home and watch American Idol than come and frequent the house of God. Crazy. 
crazy about its idols. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall he do to this nation. The mother who bore you, which would be Great Britain, shall be astonished at the judgment. And then it goes on to say, how is the hammer of the whole earth? Hammer is that which shapes. The United States has shaped the earth probably more than any other nation. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? Judgment's coming to this nation. Judgment is coming to this nation. Somebody would say, but wait, pastor, wait. How can God judge this place while the church is still here? Well, didn't God judge Egypt with the people of God still there? But they were in Goshen, weren't they? And the judgment fell all around them, but it didn't come nigh the people of God. So there's judgment coming to this nation. Two things, one if by land, two if by sea. The British are coming. I'm telling you, judgment's coming to this nation. But then I've got a second thing to tell you too. Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming. And let me just give you a little good advice. Whenever I stand up here and say Jesus is coming, why don't you get a little bit excited, bless God. I said Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. Jesus is coming. Judgment's coming to this nation. But Jesus is coming back. To this earth to catch the church up. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. Comfort one another with these words. I said Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. Yes, there's judgment coming. And I believe the judgment will start while we Christians are still here. This is the beginning of sorrows. But before the worst of it, and before that tribulation period starts, when the judgment of God will be poured out like we have never seen it before, the rapture takes place before that, and the church is caught up to heaven to be with God, can you say amen? So a modern day Paul Revere, yeah, yeah, he said the British are coming. One of by land, two by land. I'm here standing here saying that judgment is coming to this nation. But I'm also saying that Jesus is coming. Glory to God. Now what have I just preached to you? I've just preached to you the message of revival, bless God. That God's impending judgment, but yet also the goodness of God. See, the message of revival is God's impending judgment, but it's also the goodness of God. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. There's severity coming to this land, severity coming to this nation. And God always, He'll deal with the pulpits first. Then He goes to the pew. He deals with the world differently than He deals with His church. But judgment is coming to this nation. Get ready for it. Judgment is coming to this nation. You can't do what we've done and not expect God to judge it. For you see, this nation has received its last call. God is given this nation its last call and God has given this nation time to repent and space to repent and it's repented not so now judgment is even at the doors so I stand here to tell you judgment is coming but praise God forevermore there's something else going to happen too Jesus is going to come back can you say amen praise God forevermore hallelujah
God wants a revival here in St. Louis. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I even heard somebody reported me. That wonderful pastor, Pastor Shelton, stood up the other night. And him and I haven't, I haven't talked about this. I, 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 I talked with him some months ago. But, but that's, that's the first time I ever had the opportunity to talk with him. We didn't talk about this. But he, somebody said he stood up not long ago and said God wants a revival in this city. See, the Spirit of God saying the same thing to him that he's saying to me, you see. God wants a revival in this city. God wants a revival in this city. God wants a revival in this city. And he wants a revival of the teaching and preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want somebody to stand behind the pulpit and tell a bunch of funny little humorous little funny quips and quibbles. and th- He wants a man of God to stand in the pulpit and declare, thus saith the Lord, you see. That's what God wants, you see. And he, wants a, he wants a revival of the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. He wants us to get back to the foundations, back to the Word of God, back to thus saith the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. And He wants a revival of the healing power of God, not just people falling down sick and getting up just as sick. No, He wants a revival of the healing power of God that people come in and they're sick and they're lame and they're, and, 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 and they're blind and maimed or whatever and the power of God hits them and they leave healed by the power of God. They come in with cancer and they leave healed by the power of God. Can you say amen? That's what God wants in this city. And He's going to hold us responsible for praying it through and flowing with it. So if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'll tell you what the righteous can do. Do what the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence says. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What can the righteous do as this nation? I love this nation. Don't misunderstand me. Those of you who have attended here, I'm not a gloom and doom kind of guy. I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I I, I always try to see the glass half full. But I tell you what, how long can we continue to proclaim blessing on baby killing? How long can we continue to proclaim blessing on... on, on, How long can we do that? Yes, it's a great nation. Righteousness has exalted this nation. But over the last many years we've moved away from that foundation and if the foundation be destroyed how long can the nation stand and I'm just standing here Paul Revere saying hey let's get back let's get back let's get back let's get back to the foundations that this nation was built upon can you say amen so I love this nation it's the greatest nation on earth What can the righteous do? We can do, as I said, what the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence says. We can hold these truths to be self-evident. We can hold on to the foundation of the truth of the Word of God. We can hold on to the truth that God is the Creator. We can hold on to the truth that mankind is lost and undone without the Savior Jesus Christ. We can hold on to the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin, that He lived a sinless life, 
that He was beaten and died upon the old rugged cross. He shed His precious blood for every sinner. And on the third day, He rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can hold on to that. Glory to God. We can hold on that repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ causes the new birth and allows us to miss hell and to make heaven. Can you say amen? We can do what is inscribed on the liberty bell in Leviticus 25.10. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants that Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. Jesus still baptizes in the Holy Ghost. Jesus still sets sinners free. Jesus still sets people free. And that Jesus is coming again. That He's going to split the eastern sky. He's going to come back, praise God, to catch His church out. Glory to God. And then there will be a seven year tribulation period. And then Jesus will come in the second coming and He'll set His feet on the Mount of Olives and it'll split in two and then He'll judge the nations and then He'll set up a 1,000 year millennial kingdom upon this earth. I'm telling you, Jesus is getting ready to come back. What can the righteous do? We can hold on to the truths of the foundation of the Word of God, to the things that has made us great. We can hold on. We can do our part and we can hold on to it. Bless God. Will you hold on with me? Glory to God. And then, praise God, we can pray. We can pray. If my people, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Turn from and get back to. Turn from the wicked ways and turn back to that foundation of the word of God. See, that's repentance. What's the message of revival? God's impending judgment. Judgment is coming. And the goodness, Jesus, is coming. See, there's, there's judgment and goodness. Jonah declared judgment in Nineveh. Yet 40 days and this city will be overthrown. And they repented. Philip went to Samaria. And preach Christ. The goodness of God. And they repented. Let's hold the goodness of God up in front of people. Some people won't respond to that. Then you hold the judgment up in front of them. But if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith. And turn from their wicked ways. See that's repentance. What's the message of revival? Judgment and goodness. What's the result of revival? Repentance. And joy. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And wouldn't that cause some great joy? So, what can the righteous do? We can hold on to the truths of the Word of God that this nation was founded upon, and we can pray. We can pray. And so, we're going to close with prayer. Stand with me, if you would, in the presence of a holy God. Heads bowed and eyes closed.